1: Just a quick thanks uh, to Shelly. She planned the service and led the music rehearsal this morning, giving me a little time off. (laughs) So, thank you, Shelly, for doing that so well. Um, Also, thank you for the many kind text messages and uh, for the meals that you brought over for our sick family this week. Um, I don't know if it was said, but I was preaching at Spring Valley last week. And so, um, thank you for the text message like, where were you guys? What, is everything okay? (laughs) So thank you for your concern for us. Uh, I was able to preach at Spring Valley last week. They're in the middle of looking for a pastor, and so I was doing uh, some pulpit supply for them, and again, thank you for your kind and hospitality to my family this week as we've been battling a cold. As you notice, my voice is probably a little lower. I was going to audition maybe for Scott's radio gig uh, on Sunday, or in in the weekday mornings. Uh, Again, we are in the season of Lent. This is the final sermon. It was very kind of Jeff to let me have the last sermon in a sermon series on the cross of Christ as we are examining the atonement together. What's really going on in the cross? What is God really doing in the world? And today is going to be kind of the theme of restoration and what God is doing between the Jews and the Gentiles in the cross bringing them together to restore that relationship to each other, but also to God, and it is all done through the cross of Jesus Christ, and more specifically, his body. There's something to do with his body that has a lot to do with this. So the uh, Ephesians, the the letter to the Ephesians was written to the church in Ephesus, which was the second largest uh, city in the Roman Empire. It was an important city. We know that Paul planted a church there. If you read through the chapters of Acts, you will see that it was a very, um, Paul loved this church, and there was a very emotional goodbye when Paul summoned the elders as he was passing through to see them for the very last time, because he probably knew he was going, Paul was going to his death. So it was a very important city uh, to Paul, it was a very important city to the Roman Empire. And the one thing I hope that you take away from this morning's sermon and these few verses, is this, that through the cross of Jesus Christ, you belong to God. Through the cross of Jesus Christ, you belong to God. <clears throat> Paul only gives us one command in this passage. Now, I was a little freaked out because normally he gives us a lot of commands in his, in his letters. And so I was like, Jeff, uh, let's look at the Greek at this because I'm actually really concerned. But there's only one command that he gives us, one imperative verb, and that's to remember and what Paul's going to do, he's going to, I need you to remember these things, and he's going to lay out all these facts. And all the facts that he lays out in this passage is so that he can ground the listeners, can ground us in what God is doing in the world through his son, so that we might live out of these truths. So he's going to give us a problem, which you might have recognized. Starting in verse 11, he gives us a problem. Then he gives us the solution in verse 13. And then the end goal starting in verse 19. So the problem. And he wants us to remember the Gentiles, to remember their alienation. And there's a lot of Gentiles in this church, and so he's going to bring them back. And i like to bring you back to maybe a dark period in your life called elementary school. Um, springtime, it's elementary school, and you have gym class. Now, normally in springtime, and you have gym class that day, the snow's melted, You get to go outside and play. It's choose your own adventure. You get to play on the swings, basketball, kickball, whatever you want. But on this particular spring day, it started to rain. And so you had to have gym class inside. And so, oh, let's think of a gym teacher named that random Mr. Yurkovich decides to have a dodgeball game. And so what you do then is he picks two peers of yours to be team captains. You are not one of those team captains. And what they are supposed to do is start choosing the team. Sorry for that. I might as well just keep holding this. Um, and so a dark cl- cloud of fear descends upon the gym. And what begins to happen is just mass chaos. I, I, as I remember this, it was sort of like cattle hurt like running to the feeding trough to get there first and so they're jumping like kids are jumping over each other they're pushing each other down to get into the face of the captain saying pick me pick me does anyone remember this okay good so it's going to get a little darker for you so <clears throat> <laughs> so this the team the captains are picking your team and you're not being chosen so either like you're down to the last three or four students you're not chosen and then the kids who are on the other side of the team captains, they're just kind of looking at you like, oh man, I am so sorry. Like, just put old Yeller down. Let's just get this over with, right? And then, and then, and then you just enter into despair. Okay, so I'm gonna end there, I'm gonna end there. So the, the, the point of this illustration is that deep down inside, like we all wanna belong, right? We wanna be in, we wanna be in, right? Verizon, the marketers know this, Verizon had a, a campaign series so like, you wanna be in? You wanna be the in network, be in, right? We all wanna belong. And what Paul is telling the the Gentiles in this congregation is to remember the relationship with God before Christ. Not because they forgot, but to highlight their their dire predicament. God was doing something amazing in redemptive history, and they could not be a part of it. They couldn't be a part of it because of their birth. They were born outside of Israel. From birth, they were alienated from God. I mean, Paul lays it out in verses 11 through 12. said they didn't have the covenant sign of circumcision. They were separated from the Messiah, which is the Christ. They were alienated from the nation of Israel. They were strangers to the blessings and promises of God. They were sitting on the sidelines of God's redemptive purposes. As Paul talks about, they were without hope because they were without God. They didn't belong because they didn't have this covenant relationship with God, as Israel did. And that would be us today if it wasn't for Christ. We'd be just like the Gentiles sitting on the sidelines with no hope of belonging or being in if it wasn't for Christ. In fact, this church wouldn't exist if it wasn't for Christ. Then Paul's going to dig a little bit deeper into their problem as it relates to the law. You might have noticed in verse 14, he talks about the law being this dividing wall of hostility when Christ arrives on the scene. This dividing wall of hostility has this vertical dimension to it as well as a horizontal dimension to it as it relates to the Gentiles and and the Jews. The vertical dimension as it relates to the law. The law as it relates to God, the purpose of it was to humble people. It was to show that they were not capable of being holy on their own. The demands of the law were too great. and It was to show the people that for them to be holy, they couldn't do it on their own. The law pointed to something greater. But we see the Pharisees using the law as a measuring stick, right? Do you measure up the God? They didn't use the law by faith, as Paul talks about in Romans 10, but they used it as works righteousness. You are only right with God by works, not by faith. If the Pharisees would have used the law by faith, they would have actually seen Jesus as the Messiah, but they didn't, and instead they killed him. So the law ended up being twisted by the Pharisees and some of the scribes and the Jews and it created this dividing wall, this hostility <clears throat> between God and them. As far as the horizontal dimension goes, the law ended up produ- producing hostility between Jews and Gentiles. And you might have caught in verse 11 that the Jews gave the Gentiles a nickname, the uncircumcision. Now Greeks and Romans wouldn't have called themselves that. Right? That's a distinctly Jewish way of, of Of thinking and relating to the Gentiles, the uncircumcision. And this was not a term of endearment. This was rooted in superiority and looking down on others. The people were supposed to use the law, the Jewish people, to invite people into the covenant relationship with God. Instead, they used it as an ethnic boundary and of self-confidence, like we belong to God and no one else. The misuse of the law created a hostile relationship between the Jews and the Gentiles, and instead of using it to invite outsiders into covenant relationship with God, they used it as a barrier. Um, so in some of uh, moments during the week when Susan and I are stressed out and we need a little bit of space with the kids, we turn on PBS Kids on the iPad. Yes, I see some dads and moms head sh- Yeah, so there's this, there's this show called uh, Pete Plus Cat, Um, it's not Pete, or I'm sorry, Peg plus Cat. It's not um, Peg and Cat. It's Peg plus Cat because it's a math show. And inevitably, three or four times throughout, the the show comes to a screeching halt, and Peg will go, oh no, we have a problem. So that's what's happening here. Paul's saying we have a huge, more on Pete plus Cat later, I promise, or Peg plus Cat. We have a huge problem here. What Paul painted was that the Gentiles are alienated from God, and the very law that was existed that called them into covenant relationship with God, the, people, the uh, Jewish people were using as a hostile barrier. Could there ever be peace? Could there ever be reconciliation? And Paul now calls to remember the solution. Remember the cross. Now God had to do a deep surgical strike into our humanity to work this all out. The Son of God took on our flesh and bone and entered into the hostility of our humanity in order to bring about peace. And verse 13 says, But now Jesus or Christ Jesus, you who were once far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So we see this massive reversal taking place. In Jesus Christ, the Gentiles are no longer far off, but are now brought near. This is language of intimacy and of belonging. And Paul writes in 14 and 15 that the peace of Christ is now our peace. The hostility that existed between you and God because of sin and rebellion no longer exists. The hostility between you and the Jews no longer exists because of Jesus Christ. At its root, it does not exist. It should not exist. The old covenant is replaced by a new covenant in Christ. As one commentator wrote, the old covenant can, never, can no longer serve as the dividing line between Jew and Gentile can no longer serve as a great barrier between them. And Paul mentions peace four times in the midst of all this hostility. He mentions peace. And many of us know when he's using peace, he's thinking about the word shalom. It's this peace, this holistic peace that encompasses a right relationship with God and right relationship with our neighbor. And now there's peace because of Christ. And even more mysterious um, in verses 15 and 16 Paul writes that through Jesus and through his body that he might create himself one new man in the place of two. So making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. So what Jesus, I think what Paul is saying is what Jesus did on the cross was so systemic is that he created a new humanity, one that is united in himself without distinction. But how did he actually, what was it about his body, what did he actually have to do in order to create this, to make this happen? We had to deal with both sin, which we talked a little bit about, and also the law. So in his death on the cross, we've talked about this before in the last sermon series, in a couple of sermon series, uh, sermons ago, is that he, Jesus in his body took on the curse of the law. Through the law, God condemned humanity For her sin. And Jesus took upon that condemnation himself. And in the breaking of his body, he broke the curse of sin, of death, and the law. And now that the law has been fulfilled in Christ, the dividing wall of ethnicity and circumcision and all these things is now abolished. What makes you belong to God is no longer an old covenant, but a new covenant a new covenant that unites all things under Christ. And if you are in Christ, by faith, if you are in Christ, you belong to God. If we're united in Christ, then we're united to each other. As Paul talks about in verse 14, or 18, we now have the same Father. In Jesus Christ, there's no more room for hostility. <clears throat> so, um, I'm trying to figure out a way how to, how to get to this, because it's kind of a, a foreign concept with the Jews and Gentiles and hostility and ethnic boundaries and things, a little foreign to us, so I'm going to try to bring it home a little bit, um, and this is kind of a funny way of doing it. So back in 2010, <clears throat> uh, it was the Bears versus the Packers, I believe, in a playoff game to get to the Super Bowl, and I remember walking in the church um, and there was these signs that are—I don't know if some of you some remember this. <laughs> yeah, there's some signs on the back of the seats that said Packers fans this way and Bears fans that way. Right? It was really funny. Like that was, um, and and I thought I was like, oh man, I hope people don't take that the wrong way. But in the spirit, like this is the first time Chicago was very excited about even getting into the Super Bowl, and so we we went along with it and we had a really good time with it. Um, so we may not have like physical boundaries like that. But there are some, might be some unspoken boundaries in our church or barriers that might come up. And sometimes we have to ask ourselves the hard question, what human criteria are we using to make people not belong in our church? So this is kind of an insider church conversation I want to have right now. What insider versus outsider distinctions do we make within our church? Uh, so the Trump election was really interesting it brought you know the the politics of it all just it just came out of the woodwork and I would have some people came to me and come to me and say Brent you know I'm I'm a Christian but I'm kind of a Democrat and they kind of look at me like like I was getting ready to scold them or something you know like oh no so I so it was like weird conversations like that and then I'm like I don't care what party you belong to because ultimately you belong to God I mean, our politics. One of the things we have to ask: our politics a barrier in our church? Is it a, a dividing line? Um, I send my kids to public school, or I send my kids to Christian school, or I homeschool my kids. Like, is the way we school our kids a dividing line? Is this a barrier? Or how about how do you choose how to associate with people in our church? Is their diamond rings big enough? Is their hair done or put together? Do they wear brand name clothes? Do they drink light beer or craft beer? I mean, these things, you know, some of the <laughs> I've seen it, not in our church particular, but I've seen it go around where you're just kind of judging on what people drink, you know, just petty things. Or do single, or those who are single or divorced in our church, are they welcomed? Or only married folk fit in? I mean, do relationship status create barriers or dividing lines in our church? Because what Paul is saying is there's no room for any of this. There's no room for any dividing line. In fact, it's an insult on the sacrifice that Christ made in order to bring about this unity. We are all united in Christ. The only boundary marker is Christ. So back to peg plus cat. So um, when the problem is solved, the math problem is solved, they sing this little song. The problem solved. The problem solved. We solved the problem. Everything is awesome. Problem solved. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. That's why I had to drink some water beforehand. So Paul, so Paul's saying the problem is solved in Christ. The problem is solved in Christ, and he wants you to remember something. Where this is all going is that you belong to God. Starting in verse nineteen, the cross has given us a new identity as sons and daughters of God. That's why it says on your spiritual passport that you belong to God. You are marked by God. You belong to the family of God. But I'm guessing if you're anything like me, the good news of this belonging to God, (laughs) you don't have to stand on the sidelines, this framework isn't always in front of you as you go about your day. The good news isn't always influencing your emails to difficult coworkers or How you interact with difficult children or even how we interact with each other when we have difficult conversations to have. Um, I've had the privilege of working with our high school school students these last several years and um, one thing that I've learned about our high school students is that um, in general they are stressed out of their minds. (laughs) It was a couple weeks ago, I had such a great conversation with them, Uh, yeah it was a couple weeks ago, and I asked them, like, how, you know, how's your week? And ultimately, they bring up their schools and their sports, and they're just so exhausted. Like, I, literally before me, I saw them just, like, mentally exhausted, and their bodies are breaking down from being in sports. There's injuries everywhere. Like, they're just totally stressed out. And when I ask them how they're doing, they, they inevitably talk about ACT scores or prepping for SAT or group projects or AP exams. They're just totally stressed out on their school performance. And what's it all about? What's it all about? You know, the school systems hasn't changed much since I've been in middle school, but in middle school, it's probably been more prominent now, but in middle school and high school, you're kind of just taught that the goal of all this is to get into college, right? The goal of all of this is so that a college can come to you and say, you belong to us now, right? We're gonna adorn you with new colors. We're gonna give you songs to sing at football games. You you belong to us, right? It's it's a real thing, it's a real thing. And many of you know what I'm talking about. Like, I was stressed out, I took the ACT three times just to get a better score, and I didn't. (laughs) And so this past year, I've been working with our high school students to see that their vocation as a student isn't, the end goal isn't to get into college. Right? Their vocation as a student is to acquire skills and knowledge so that they can seek the flourishing of the world, to seek to bless the world, to extend the kingdom of God in the presence of Christ in the workplace. But everything about school and shall we may dare like even the way we might parent our kids is all about belonging to a college or just getting through to get to college. But to live as a son or daughter of God, as a student, is to live in daily partnership with God, knowing that he'll supply all that you need for your vocation. Your identity doesn't reside in the ACT score. (laughs) I remember like, I can preach that to myself as much as I want, but I remember how hard that was. That was hard. Your identity does not reside in the ACT score, but in Christ. You belong to God. As a pastor once told me, uh, most of life is a circus, so, no matter where you find yourself, in a job or in school, it's like the same circus but different clowns. <laughs> you know, it's true. Like, it's this, this, this endeavor to belong to, to a country club, this endeavor, like, it will always bring the same amount of problems, and there will always be people there that are difficult to work with or difficult to be with. But if our identity is in this belonging to something else outside of Christ, it's always going to leave us empty and frustrated in the end. So, Paul wants to give us a bigger vision of our belonging. One commentator wrote uh, that this, this second section of Ephesians 2 is the Ephesian North Star, and maybe it can be our North Star. It's the focal point where it's all headed. Paul talks about the family of God, the church, as a building with Christ as its cornerstone. But this isn't a static building. This is not a temple made with hands. It's an organic building That's moving out into the world. It's a a building, but it's an ever-expanding building out into the world. It's the temple of God, expanding to every corner of the earth. It's what Adam and Eve should have done in the garden. But they failed. But now, Christ is doing through us. This is what it looks like to belong to God. It's this ever-expanding of ourselves, giving ourselves to the world. And in this mysterious way, by the Spirit... We are the dwelling, <laughs> in our sinful selves, we are the dwelling place of God. If there's ever a statement of belonging, is that God dwells in us. Like He chose to dwell in us. And because of that, we belong to God. So with that, let's move into a, a season of confession and prayer i like to lead us in. So I would just like to take a few moments of silence. Um, this could be a great opportunity to just reflect on the week or even today, how we have failed to remind ourselves that we belong to God and we typically, or in the moments, and our worst moments, how we tend to lash out on others or whatever it might be, not love our neighbors as a result of us forgetting that we don't belong to God. So let's take a few moments and confess our sins. Lord, we confess that um, we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by the things that we've done and the things that we have left undone. Lord, you humble us by even dwelling in us by your Spirit. We know our own inadequacies, but yet you are still very patient with us and love us. So, Lord, forgive us of our sins this day. And that we might live lives renewed and in the hope that what you are doing in the world and through us is ultimately for the glory of your son. And that we might see your kingdom expand in our homes and our workplaces and in our communities. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. All right, brothers and sisters, hear the good news from Romans and Colossians. And Romans again. God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For he rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, or through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God.